Hey everyone. Today we get to part three of Mahaney's Humility, and we'll cover chapters five, six, and seven, which are topics that relate primarily to our personal walks. I'm thankful that the book leads us to personal application. There's a risk that we might think about statements and propositions and just stop there and not get those concepts into our hearts and lives. So just as we aim for understanding and application of the word in our community discussions, so too we should aim for understanding of what humility is and the application of that in our lives and how we might grow in it. In fact, at the start of chapter 5, Mahaney recommends that we each make and keep a list of habits that we might regularly do to pursue humility. Personally, I'm working these habits into my personal discipleship plan, which is something that I know many of you are also in the practice of keeping. The premise here is that without a goal in mind and a reminder in place, we are not likely to grow in the direction that we want towards God. I often think about our sinful condition like the laws of thermodynamics, which state that objects at rest tend to stay at rest, and that systems tend towards chaos and not order unless energy and effort is added to maintain or even increase the order. And so it is with our hearts. Left without a plan, we inevitably tend towards our sinful condition and away from God. This shouldn't surprise us. But rather, it should inform us and instruct us to regularly pursue the Lord, which we do through re regular reading of Scripture and prayer, actively pursuing His character in our thoughts and deeds. So the first call for us is to continue stewarding our own lives and our walks with the Lord. We see this call consistent throughout Scripture. In the law, we read in Deuteronomy that we should love the Lord with all our heart, our strength, and our soul, that we should keep his words on our minds, on our doorposts, on our hands, and our eyes, that we should walk in them and talk with them with each other, teach them diligently to our children. We see it also in the Psalms, uh, many Psalms, but including Psalm 119, we hear that we are to behold God's law, to meditate on it, to let the truth remain in us, to trust and rely on God's salvation. In the Gospels, we see Jesus regularly taking periods to withdraw from the crowds for prayer and personal communion with God. We see him strengthened in God's presence for the work he did in ministry and the work of going to the cross. In the Epistles, we hear Paul instruct Timothy to practice and devote himself to study and teaching of Scripture, to holy speech and conduct, and love, faith, and purity. We hear Paul say to the church that, we should, that the Word should dwell richly in us, that we should be teaching and admonishing one another speaking in love to build one another up, and to sing to one another with thankfulness. And so we are instructed and given an example by Jesus and the early church to walk daily with the Lord in the means of grace, both personally and corporately. Practically, he's given some very tangible suggestions in these chapters. I'm not going to repeat all of them, but I just wanted to highlight a few that I've been working through uh, in my own study. Starting the day with thanksgiving and praise, to speak true things to God and about you each morning, um, that you are utterly dependent on Him, that you do not earn or deserve this day's breath, but that it is a gift of God, and then how naturally that leads us to put our cares of the day before Him. You know, as I was thinking about this, we often hear the language of, I don't deserve this day, as something that puts us down or leads us to navel-gazing and guilt, but that's not the heart of our confession of dependence. In fact, it's the exact opposite, that by realizing we didn't earn or control the breath in our lungs, we realize that it's a gift, uh, and that means that we start the day with exceeding thankfulness. No matter what the day's to-do list is, what was left undone yesterday, we are starting out with the gift of life and breath. We have eyes to see the beauty of the world that God has made, ears to hear the vast array of music and the sound of laughter, and we have taste buds to enjoy the many things that we have. This season, personally, as I double down on my chai tea lattes and eggnog, I'm 
trying to remind myself that these simple pleasures that God has given to us to enjoy, and it's been blowing my mind to think that God didn't even have to create taste, um, but he did. And it's been, and it's great. And so we can be thankful at each moment we realize that we have something, life and breath, sight, taste, and give thanks to God for it all. And similar to the start of the day is the end of the day, as a time to review the things of the day and to give God praise for the ways that he's answered our prayers, sustained us, and blessed us. This is something that my wife and I are working to be on more purposeful uh, about in our lives. We'll often catch up on the day after our daughter's asleep. So we're trying to make this a worshipful time where we can give God praise for the events and the interactions and the sustaining grace that we received that day. And now, I mean, I wish that happened every single day at the same time, fully conscious, just before we set out to review the next day's schedule and pray for it. Surely that's the ideal. We're not there yet, uh, but we're working towards it. I know some of you are already there or even further and have inspired me to pursue this. And so I want to encourage us all to pursue this more and more. And something else he talks about uh, that I really like is this accepting the gift of sleep. And man, I think this is tremendously countercultural. That we would not only sleep well, but that we would give ourselves enough sleep and to joyfully receive it as a gift. I hear this phrase, if only I had an extra hour in the day, all the time. Which incorrectly supposes that if we had 25 hours in the day, we'd be able to get these other things done. This understanding is incorrect on multiple levels, but the main thing I want to highlight about the approach is that it ignores the fact that God designed us to need rest, and that rest is a gift for us. We weren't meant to work 25 hours a day. And as we feel tired or weak, we feel the need for rest, it's a reminder to us that we do not sustain the universe. God is the creator, the redeemer, and the sustainer. It is in Christ that all things hold together, and by his word that he sustains the universe. It is not in Justin that all things hold together, and it is not by Justin's word that the universe is sustained. It is when I'm tempted to think that the world rests on my shoulders, I remind myself that Jesus alone is the Savior and not me. And then I can thankfully accept a night's rest, trusting that God will sustain the universe. This ties into his suggestion in chapter 7 that we study the incommunicable traits of God. For me over the last year, it's been this fact that God sustains the universe with or without my acknowledgement, with or without my participation. He doesn't need me for the universe to exist or for himself to be complete, but I certainly need him both for the universe to exist and for myself to be complete. So as we personally grow in our practices of humility, it'll shape our families and communities. There is a powerful principle of leading by example. We inevitably shape others around us in the ways that we are wired. I think this is why Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So if we're modeling our lives as leaders on Christ's life, then our leadership is pointing others towards Christ. Of course, in order for us to lead with integrity, we want to practice what we preach. We should not expect others to do what we are unable or unwilling to do in matters of faith. And this is why we expect you all as leaders to be faithful men and women who are serious and active in your faith, growing in godliness. Of course, we all do this imperfectly, and the expectation is never perfection, but ongoing growth. And by God's grace, we'll continue to grow into his image as he has promised to complete the good work that he started in us. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the very life and breath we have right now in this moment. Thank you that you've given us eyes to see the beauty of the world around us, ears to hear, taste buds to enjoy the fruit of the earth. I pray that you'd continue to remind me and all of us 
Jesus, that it is you who created the world. You are the only Savior. It is you that upholds the universe with your word. It is not me nor us together that can do any of these things. Help us, Lord, to walk in your ways. May you conform us more and more into Jesus' image. In his name we pray. Amen.